0: Hey, what is up? Welcome to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento, and I know I'm excited for every single episode, but this is a guest that I couldn't wait to interview. Her name is Maggie Bergen. She is a bundle of energy, and she's so good at what she does. I'm so excited for you to get a taste of her genius here in today's interview. She is a brand strategist and the owner of Be Understood Branding, which I'm gonna tell you, I've seen the best tagline, I think, for any branding agency in Maggie's work. So I'm going to tell you that in just a second. But Maggie believes that brand clarity is a kindness, everyone is exhausted, and a branding best practice. Maggie helps her clients carve away vagueness by building a crystal clear, distinct, irresistible brand. She has a BA in government from Smith College and has worked in the communication industry since 2000. So she has been around the block and seen it in so many different industries. She lives with her husband and what she calls her four-legged, insistent clown named Django in Chicago. And the only other thing I'm going to say before we dive into to today's interview is her slogan when it comes to Be Understood branding. So she says that Be Understood branding helps service-based businesses who are great at what they do, but not so great at talking about what they do, which of course is a key component in communication and branding. I'm so excited for my interview with Maggie Bergen. Hi, Maggie. Here we are. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. I'll tell you what, I'm sure you could tell. I was even excited to give your intro for today's episode because you are really freaking good at what you do, but fill in the gaps for listeners. Who the heck is Maggie? What the heck do you do?
1: That's very kind of you to ask. And um, I feel a little bit like, you know, like, like uh, you're my hype team. So thank you so much. So um, as probably all your listeners know, great branding, what is great branding? Great branding distills information, it simplifies choices, and it helps your ideal clients make a buying decision. And the people that I work with uh, are so good at what they do. So what they do is here. Now, talking about what they do, unfortunately, is over here. It's not a Venn diagram. For those of you who are listening on the podcast, I've just drawn two circles in the air that are not connected. The bridge between those, in my view, is a brand strategy. What is a brand strategy? A brand strategy is not rocket science. It's a very simple process and a process that most 99% of people agree on what the content of it is. And all it is, is using what scientists know about how human attention works and applying it to how you serve people or how you make products that serve people. That's what I do. Yeah, I love that,
0: Maggie. But it begs the the obvious question from my perspective, which is, all right, if there's that consensus, there's that agreement about how to capture human attention, lay it on us thick and early.
1: There's three unfortunate truths about brand strategy that get in the way of people, regular people being able to execute a clear, distinct brand. And one of them is that people become deep experts, just like you, Brian. I'm sure you are an expert in what you do. As you get more, more sophisticated and more knowledgeable about what you do... It actually becomes harder to talk about what you do in a way that's understandable to those outside of your zone of genius. Um, the second thing is um, a lot of people that I work with. I don't know about other pieces of the industry, but the people that I work with are I daughters and T crossers and they've written papers or they, um, they are incredibly bright at what they do and interested in what they do. And as they, excuse me, I thought I'd silence that, um, as as they become more entrenched and knowledgeable in their field, um, they are less and less able to communicate like a seven-year-old would. So because in our day and age, everybody is so busy and they're inundated with so many messages and so many conflicting yeah. facts and figures, the ability to speak clearly is a a benefit that really helps you stand out nowadays. So people come to me and they're confused about why they haven't been able to build their brand strategy and it's honestly because they know too much and they're too good at what they do.
0: Yeah, I particularly love how you said in your bio brand clarity is a kindness and as soon as you talk about simplicity when it comes to the things that we do. So Maggie, I lived in Los Angeles for 4 years. And I feel like every time I was in a coffee shop and I asked someone, so what do you do? They would say things like, I help grand visionaries illuminate and uncover their... And it's just all this talk. And and at the end, it left me with one question, which was the same question I started with. What the heck do you actually do? Clarify it for me. How do you help entrepreneurs? Because that I feel like when it comes to branding, you're right. It is that initial question of what the heck do you do? And I feel like so many people actually botch that before they even talk about what they actually do.
1: That's a great question. Um, my my too long didn't read answer is there are exercises for that. So he, I don't just I mean if I if any if everybody could write a brilliant brand strategy on their own they would have done it by now. So you need somebody who has developed or built or acquired specific exercises to help you get there. You also need to understand that much as is true in the rest of life, first drafts are garbage. And a lot of times, second drafts are garbage too. So if someone was interested in building a brand strategy, I would recommend it making sure that whatever process they go through, there is an iteration built in. I also, um, I also alert my clients in the first meeting that I am going to ask them a question approximately a million times and it will become a very annoying question for them. And I'm happy to share that question with your listeners. And that question is, so what? So what? I am a, like, like when you were in the coffee shop talking to someone, they say, I assist visionary, blah, 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 blah. So what? Okay, so they're gonna go back to the well and they're gonna come back with an answer that's a little more clear. Maybe it's because, well, so what? so that these visionaries can impact other people's lives then you ask the question again so what they're impacting other people's lives why does that matter and it's um it's a process we go through so and that by the end you're down to that the bottom of the well um the most fundamental almost value-driven statement and that's what ends up connecting with clients
0: Yeah, I particularly enjoy your approach to branding when it comes to and really finding that messaging because you do make it abundantly clear up front. You say this should be an iterative process. You're right. You just mentioned first drafts are never the same quality as final drafts. When you talk about that iterative process, is it the iterations of asking so what a million times until you really get to the bare bones of it? Or is part of the iteration going into the marketplace, talking to customers? How the heck do we know when to iterate, what to iterate, and what the better direction is?
1: There are six brand pillars. And you, as you build the brand, it's like a recipe. So if you add cinnamon to your brand, you don't want to add too much. Um, if you add nutmeg to your brand, you don't want to add too much because everything is going to be in the pot together. And it should be one distinct flavor in the end. So when it comes to the iterative process, as we're building the brand, um, you're going to identify your ideal client, not just demographic information, but, um, the human needs that your work addresses for them and, and why those hu- addressing those human needs matters to them. Um, your brand personality, your brand benefit. In other words, why you, your differentiated advantages, your brand positioning. Which is, is, um, if you're walking down the street and you're going to a friend's house, you've never been there before. How would they describe the house? It's on the corner. It's, you know, it's a specific description of your brand in relation to, you know, a block of other houses and how it stands out or how it's unique. Um, so it's kind of all of those things mixed together. Um, and through the brand building process. You, it all comes at every, okay. So my session, my, my program has six sessions and it's like clockwork, Brian, every fourth session, people, my clients start freaking out. So because it feels like too much, it's like, it's like the, there's a, we've gathered all this data and information and it feels crazy. And then by, and then week I give them specific exercises and in week five, it just like, it's like an unwrapping of an onion. So you have to you have to gather data and information about yourself and about your ideal client and then kind of stir it around I uh, for lack of a better description um but there are exercises for that. I don't think people can do it themselves. I and maybe it's because I am a brand strategist and the only tool you know when they say like when the only tool you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's true or not but that's my experience with my clients.
0: Yeah, I love that analogy as well. I think as much as I love that that phrase when all you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail. I think it's the first in over 500 episodes that someone's used it but it applies so well here. And the other thing that comes to mind is my good friend Rachel Gogos who has been on this show. She always says, "You can't read a label from inside the jar," which speaks a lot to mm-hmm. your process. Yeah, I like that. It's a good one, right? And yeah. I want to dig a little bit more into your process because in our, before we actually even got on air here together, I know that one of the things you talk about is the three things that entrepreneurs should do first to even start the branding process. I want to, since we're talking about process, it's one of my favorite words. I want to hear your perspective on that.
1: Well, thank you so much. So, um, peep, I've often gotten the question, um, from people who aren't ready to, do a full brand process like okay what Maggie just help get me started and the first 3 must do branding moves in my opinion are to define your brand personality so what is the vibe that your brand brings to if your brand walked into a room what would the vibe be so for example think about your the, your best friend the person that knows who she is and what she's about your brand should be that specific an energy or a vibe, and as I said before, you, you don't just attempt to define your brand strategy, your brand personality. There are exercises for that. Um, the second uh, uh, must-do branding move, in my opinion, is to figure out—it's called your differentiated advantages, um, your uniqueness—and I hate to use those words because they sound so boring. So let me describe it this way, why Why I think differentiated advantages are absolutely critical. There are two ways to get into the head of your ideal client. There are two ways. This is science, not me. Where Way number one is an option for giant companies like McDonald's or Walmart. And way number one is repetition. They can feed... Ads to you every day for 30 days if they want. But most people are not Walmart or McDonald's, thank goodness. So the you have to use the other way of getting, getting to get your ideal client's attention and hold on to it. And the other way, according to science, is to stand out. So there's lots of different ways of standing out. If you're a famous person, that's how you stand out. If you're not a famous person, you could stand out through, um, irreverence, through humor, through brand, unique brand positioning, or some combination thereof. So hopefully that's another a, a more um, understandable way of saying any differentiated advantages. You know, I don't mean a competitive, competitor, um, analysis. I mean, what is it about you that makes you a delight? To work with for your ideal clients, that maybe somebody else you, they wouldn't have the same experience. And then the third, and I, love, I think this, I, it's so hard. Brand pillars are like children, Brian. I, I feel like they're all you know, like I don't have a favorite, but this one, this one might be a favorite. Don't tell the other children, um, and that is ideal client interviews. You have to, have to, have to, have to. And I'm sorry because a lot of people who are in their zone of genius, do not want to talk to ideal clients, but you really have to talk to them. And you have to ask them specific questions over the phone, not over video. You have to capture their answers to these specific questions. And you'll start to hear patterns. And those are the patterns that you would use um, in your marketing sales and copy to get and hold their attention.
0: I love that answer, Maggie. And especially, yes, I can see how you say it's like three children because they are all equally important and equally loved. But yes, one more so than the others that scares so many entrepreneurs away. But it is so very important. And one thing that I'm particularly excited to talk to you specifically about when it comes to branding is that I know that for you personally, I've been on your website, we're going to talk about your website, which I absolutely love everybody should go to maggiebergen.com because you need to read Maggie's copy on her website. So maggiebergen.com. We'll obviously talk about that at the end of the show and the link will be below. But Maggie, you already brought up kind of the duality or the dichotomy of branding. We talk about big brands, the Targets, the Walmarts, the Best Buys. There's certain things that they can get away with and that they can leverage that we as solo entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs can't necessarily leverage. What would your message be to all those entrepreneurs out there? I remember I started my first business when I was 18 or 19. And so often I thought, well, I'm not a brand. And Maggie, here we are, you and I in 2022, and you and I inject a lot of our personalities into our brands as well. So what is that line between a brand versus our unique personality? How are they interwoven? Unpack all that for us.
1: Picture Starbucks just for a second. And now picture Dunkin' Donuts, just for a second. So those are two brands. They're not human beings. They are brands. But I'll bet that you maybe, you some sense come to mind, some experiences, some um, sights or sounds or vibes. The energies come to mind. Everybody is already, if you have an offer. If you have an offer and you are selling that offer, you are a brand. And as you say so beautifully Brian, doing things how only you can do them pays off because that is the way that you will stand out. Does that did that answer your question?
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's I'll tell you what, as a podcast host Maggie, it's always great to have someone like you on because these are things I love to say to my audience. Is that my biggest brand advantage is that no one is me. Nobody. You could take all the transcripts of every podcast episode I've ever done and somebody else could do it. They're not going to have my level of excitement, my level of curiosity. I've always known that if I inject me into everything I do, my book, my podcast, my online courses, everything, then that is one of my advantages. So I want to take it a step further though, Maggie, because I remember in my early 20s in particular, I felt lost. And and the big question that I was asking myself is, should I have a brand name, a company name? Should I operate under that umbrella? Should everything be Brian Lofermento and I build brand equity? And then I look at guys like Tim Ferris; He can touch anything and he brings that brand equity with him. Talk to us about leveraging those two different silos or pillars, or should they not even be silos?
1: That's a great question. And my experience with brands is that sometimes it changes over time. So um... Think about maybe Oprah and uh, Martha Stewart. So both are, are, you would agree they're both brands, correct? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. But within each of those brands, there are probably a hundred different product lines or offers or ways in which they help or serve their clients. So I I sometimes people come to me early in their business career as well. And they ask me that question. And I I have to give a very unsatisfying answer, which is it depends. It depends where you want to go with your company. And sometimes you won't know that until you're three to five years in. So my recommendation is always, you know, like um, Jamie Oliver comes to mind, um, for example. So Jamie Oliver is a very famous um, chef and he was based in London. I don't know where he's based now, but his brand started from his brand personality, from his personality. So his personality is open and interested. It's very pragmatic. Um, he believes that everyone can cook delicious, healthy food if that healthy food is available to them. So that personal brand or that personal value list became the business personality. And, um, so that also happens.
0: Yeah. And I also like thinking about it in the reverse because as you use those examples, I, I think Oprah is such a good example. As you said that inside of me, I thought to myself, yeah, we think of Oprah. A lot of people could say, Oh, Oprah, the TV show. Others might think, oh, Oprah, the TV channel. Someone else might think, ah, Oprah, the magazine, or Oprah, the marketing machine, who's involved in so many different marketing projects. So we, you're right, we've seen it develop in that way, starting with her personal brand. But then on the flip side, we look at somebody like Elon Musk to, to bring in the world's richest man, which is sometimes controversial, who started with his more product-based businesses, his involvement with PayPal.com his involvement with Tesla. Now he's a household name that everybody knows and and understands what he's involved with. So I do like kind of the two-way transfer that you show. There is, to use a a marketing analogy, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. It it can come out one way or the other. And so with that in mind, I do want to poke a little bit into your personal story because you've already, clearly you've experienced- So many different aspects of the world of branding, of the world of communications, which I think the two are so deeply interwoven. Talk to us about how you got into branding. And also one thing I'm particularly curious about, Maggie, is how your views of branding have evolved and changed over the years.
1: So my background, I have a degree in government from Smith College. And uh, so I started working in government affairs immediately on the legislative side. And then I finished from the legislative side, I moved to the, to the uh, advocacy side, which is a, a nice way of saying lobby lobbying. So I was a lobbyist and I was a lobbyist for a membership organization representing those members on Capitol Hill and the state house. And then I became self-employed. Um, I was self-employed lobbyist. So lobbying for green energy companies and arts and education companies. And what is government affairs? What does that mean? It means you're selling an idea and you are understanding a process and what the motivations are of everyone around the table along that process. So where are the moments of opportunity to communicate something in a compelling, clear way along a process? Does this sound familiar? Yes, it sounds familiar because all this is, is marketing, and, but instead of selling a product, you're just selling an idea. I lost my stomach for government affairs as the role of money in politics grew higher and higher and higher, um, and so then I pivoted to marketing. I've always been very, very interested in what, um, I, I, in high school, I, should, I don't know if I should say this or not, but um, I will say it, uh, my, I was a debate a debate champion in high school. So I've always been just kind of, you know, like when kids are born, they come with a certain foundation. I think one of my foundational interests is in understanding how to reach people with a message, how to reach them at the right time, how to say the thing that is respectful of yourself, but respectful of their worldview as well. And then um, from marketing, I, I did marketing for many years and it was unsatisfying because it wasn't I was always asking why, why this campaign? Why this, why this product? How did this product get built? What's the relationship between the product and the overall brand? What's the why, 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 why? And the why is branding, it's your brand strategy. So, um, once I fell, once I came to brand strategy, um, I was absolutely hooked. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I can totally see it not only in your knowledge, but also in your personality. Maggie, you're sounding an awful like a lo- awful lot like a fellow ENTP. Do you know your Myers-Briggs type? You are, aren't you? <laughs>
1: How did you do that?
0: Everyone who's listening, I wish you could see Maggie's face in that moment. I always know a fellow ENTP when I come across one, Maggie.
1: <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. So... <laughs>
1: I want to talk because my jaw is literally on the floor.
0: Honestly, I'm so happy that I threw that out there because I had a good feeling about it. But you said one thing in there that I want to dig further into, which is moments of opportunity. And I know that you always keep your what is it? Keep the ear to the grindstone. What is that phrase? Whatever the phrase is, you've always got your finger on the pulse of where branding is going. And you're right, where conveying that messaging is going to resonate with your audience, whoever that audience may be. I want to hear, because you dropped me a note, that you would love to share three trends that will shape brands for the next couple of years. Lay those on us, Maggie.
1: So I just got back from, I want to give a shout out to the organizers of the best brand and brand strategy conference hands down, it's not even close. Um, it's run by two people. Uh, the name of their company is called Under Construction. And this, the um, brand conference that came back live uh, for the first time since COVID this year was in Austin. And the name is Brand New. So Brand New, anybody who's interested in brand strategy, particularly designers or strategists like myself, Brand New, un- um, Under Construction um, Bryony and, um, Armit do just an incredible job. So, uh, this conference invites really interesting people who have built brands over the last couple of years to come and talk about their process. And it's over two days, and I noticed a couple trends, and I'm happy to share, um, those trends with your, your listeners. So, at the first one, the one that's the most interesting to me is about design. So, several people said this design is becoming less and less important because design is so much more accessible now to people chai quality design is so much more accessible to people so with products like canva or um, its competitors which i will not say because i used to use them and they're horrible (laughs) um you can create really beautiful um, designs. So visually standing out is going to be less and less uh, compelling as a differentiated advantage. What does that mean for people? What that means is that increasingly asking and answering brand strategy questions is going to be more important because how you talk about your brand using words with a person and a video, a person talking is going to be increasingly important. I think that's so interesting. What do you think about that, Brian?
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's something that I noticed because I've been in the game since I was 18. And back when I was 18, for example, even to have a decent looking website, you had to know how to program in CSS. You know, had to know how to program in PHP and nowadays, I see people that have full-time jobs as accountants, and they're designing way better websites than what I could do in my early 20s. And it's because the tools are just incredible. Literally, I could show my mom how to build a website today, and she'd make a killer one.
1: Mm-hmm. The other um, trend that I'd love to mention, thank you for asking me about Brand New, is uh, the everyone kept saying that the science is increasingly showing the importance of authenticity to consumers and sharing your brand values um, and why those matter and where those values show up in your work. So increasingly, your potential ideal clients are going to be extremely interested in... There's many... Let me back up for a second. There's a million ways for someone to figure out if you are for them. Your vibe, the things you say... Um, but what this conference was suggesting, what the speakers of the comments were suggesting, was that people increasingly are interested in understanding what your, um, what your, if you are a purpose driven brand, and if you are a purpose driven brand, to be clear about what that purpose is and what are the values that drive that purpose.
0: Yeah. And that one we see in real time because I'm glad you chose the terms purpose-driven because long gone are the days where you can just say that. I mean, I see the word impactful. I'm an impactful branding agency, an impactful, you know, whatever it is. I'm sure you see it a million times more than I do. What is the real way? Because we're talking about authenticity. And I think this probably, Maggie, comes back to the conversation we had a few minutes ago about injecting you into it. Nobody can copy that. When you say authenticity, it's something we hear a lot. What the heck does that mean to you?
1: Did I say authenticity? I hope I didn't because I hate that word. So thank you for calling me out on that. But what I mean by that is you have to clearly define your why and keep it simple. So your why is going to start, as I said, first iterations, it's going to start like a gobbledygook. And over time, you got to, you got to, Figure it out and winnow it down. So that's one is clearly define your why, then keep it simple. Second, there's four points here. Um, second is you have to base your why on your brand DNA because it needs to be sincere and genuine in order for it to work. If it's not sincere and genuine, it, the truth will out and you will alienate people, which is not what you want. Number three is don't just make it a marketing exercise. You know, help others understand how it impacts them. How it impacts their result and what they will be able to do um, if they are in conversation with you or hire you. And then the fourth is just be relentless about one through three. You know, if one through three are solid, the tipping point will come.
0: Mm, and Maggie, as you're saying that on my screen, I have your your website up in front of me. And as you're oh, saying no. it, I'm just like, your website is the real life. Example of you doing this. So for real, we're obviously we're gonna plug in a second. I want I genuinely want listeners to go to Maggiebergen.com, but I'm gonna read your headline here in this episode. I'm gonna change it by one word, Maggie. And so
1: go ahead. That's fine. so I approve.
0: The headline on Maggie's website says be understood branding helps entrepreneurs and organizations kick vagueness in the junk. And Maggie, as soon as my team saw that, we immediately thought, gosh, this is someone who isn't just saying, hey, your brand is your message to the world. Your brand is what people are going to believe about the way that you operate. No, you're making it abundantly clear. I'm a brand strategist, and I don't want you to ever be vague ever again. And I'm going to help you get rid of that. So I really like I remember when I had a search engine optimization agency. Our website was the least SEO'd website in the world because we always did it for clients. But you are actually yeah. practicing what you preach, and that's why I've Wouldn't always. Would be
1: terrible Flo, if the brand strategist was like didn't have a brand strategy? Hundred percent. That's why I love the the
0: notion that success leaves clues, and that's why I invite so many of you to follow what Maggie's doing because she is practicing what she preaches, and there are so many clues in that.
1: Maggie, I mean. Go Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, can I say one thing? Of course. You know, branding brands, when you break them all the way down are basically four things. You know, you, you make or do a thing. That's one, two, you tell people about the thing you make or do three, you make money selling the thing or the course. Um, and then people change because of the thing. And then four is you build systems to manage one through three. So all a brand strategy is, is is making number two and three happen. You know, brand strategy gets to the heart of how folks will learn about your work and decide to hire you. That's it. It's not rocket science.
0: Heck yeah. I love that simplicity. It's such music to my ears. I want to ask you this question on air as we're coming to the end of this conversation. Maggie, what is your brand? Since you clearly have a very intentional brand strategy, tell us about your brand.
1: Um, my brand is, uh, my brand colors are red and blue because I believe that branding is primary to any company, to any organization, trying to communicate something. Um, my tone of voice is clear and perhaps annoyingly bold. Um, and my bra- but ultimately my brand is deeply loving and supportive of people who are deeply loving and supportive of other people and either their business or in their personal life. I am a weird balance of why and I hear you.
0: Yeah. And it's probably why to a Bostonian like me, the the word that comes to mind when I look at your brand is direct. And it is that directness because you care, because you want to cut through all the fluff outs there and say, Hey, there's a way to actually move forward. There's a way to improve. There's a way to execute successfully and you help people do that. So Maggie, gosh, as two ENTPs, we could probably talk about this stuff all day long, but I want to give you a little bit of an opportunity because listeners at this point, I'm sure they love all the things you're saying. You've given such a fresh perspective on branding. And also when we say strategy, it really is that intention behind the strategy. Cause a lot of people have a strategy not all of it is very intentional. So I want to hear about who the heck you work with in your business, what your process is like, lay all that out for listeners.
1: So I, I have ton of, I'm de- over time I've developed kind of two niches. Um, although I, I'm happy to work with anybody who has an offer, but, um, I work with service-based businesses a lot. Um, so you didn't, you don't make a thing, you provide a service. And then, um, Very happily, I've developed a relationship with some, um, some, what do you call it when people are building something and they, and they have, they go to VCs and get money and then they have a runway and then they have to build their brand. Um, I think most of them
0: just call themselves founders. They could definitely use your help, Maggie.
1: (laughs) Great. So the last two clients have actually been, um, people who are developing apps. Uh, one is a social app and one is an app for elders um, and elders having the ability to get the services they need to stay in their home. So what I do, I only have one offer. I have one thing that I do with people and it is a, a brand strategy process. It takes six sessions. You can s- schedule the session. It's one-on-one. It is not a group program. It is with me live over Zoom. Um, the, we work for 60 to 90 minutes, six times, and you get to choose the times we work together. Um, it isn't, it is built. I hired, I am not a, I know about brain strategy, but I don't know about conveying information to adult learners. So I actually hired, um, a woman with a PhD in adult learning to help me craft the curriculum. So it's really designed to be supportive to adults who are busy and really want to stay focused and build something um, over the six sessions together. And, um, I have a tiny offer, uh, if folks are not ready to build their whole brand strategy, but they really want to work on their brand. Um, if you go to my, um, website, you'll see a tiny offer for, uh, an ideal client interview guide, um, which is, um, I think it's like $37 or $39. Or you can go to my Instagram, Be Understood Branding, and the link in the bio will take you there. And it tells you everything you need to know about talking to your ideal client, what questions to ask them, how to set up the interview, who to even interview, um, how to frame up the conversation, where to have the conversation, kind of everything you need to know. And then at the end of that offer is uh, an opportunity to talk to me about how to integrate the patterns you hear from your ideal clients into your brand moving forward.
0: Woof, Maggie, with my marketing hat on, we call that an irresistible offer and gosh, do I love it. <laughs> I'm going to be taking you up on that. <laughs> I love it. Honestly, I'm going to transparently tell podcast listeners, I myself will be taking Maggie up on this offer. I can already think of My business partner and I in our online fitness company would love to have Maggie's approach alongside the work that we're already doing and how fast we're growing. So you heard it from Maggie herself, everyone from service-based entrepreneurs to SaaS startups and everything in between, you can benefit from Maggie's work. So on that note, Maggie, tell listeners where the heck they should be going to get more of your work, to dive into the stuff that you offer, and really to follow you in everything that you do.
1: You're so kind to have me. Um, I want to say before we finish that your team and you have been absolutely outstanding to deal with, you know, what you, what you, how you present yourself sometimes doesn't match uh, how it is to actually work with you. That has absolutely not been the case. You and your team have built a seamless, like your brand is in every piece of your business. That's not easy to do. And you should feel very, very proud of how, what you and your team have built. Um, that being said, um, I would love, love, love for people to come to Instagram if they're already on it and, um, type in be understood branding, be understood branding. And again, click that link in bio for the ideal client interview guide. And, um, I will follow you back if you are a real human. If you're a robot, I probably won't. <laughs>
0: All right. I love it, Maggie. Thank you so much for the kind words. I so genuinely appreciate it. And truly, I'm doing my best on my end to inject as much of me as possible into all the things that everything entrepreneur to entrepreneur touches. And ultimately, everything that we do is to connect incredible entrepreneurs like you with our worldwide audience who are really seriously dedicated to growing their businesses. So you guys heard it from Maggie. Go straight to Instagram. Be understood branding Maggie. Thank you so much for coming on the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.
1: It was my pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to the Wantrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast with your host, Brian Lofermento. For show notes and to get a free copy of Brian's book, visit us online at com.